Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, everyone. I'm David Chalian, the CNN political director. This is the Daily DC Impeachment Watch. Every weeknight, we've got you covered with up-to-the-minute reporting and analysis in this very fast-moving impeachment inquiry. In a few minutes, we'll be talking to Republican strategist and CNN political commentator Alice Stewart. But first, I'm joined by one of the busiest men in the CNN Washington Bureau, national security reporter Jeremy Herb, who actually comes here with some breaking news. So, Jeremy, why don't we just start there? Uh, There's been a new development today that sort of deals with... um, The blockade that the administration has put up and the House Democrats attempts uh, to break through that blockade in this investigation. What are you reporting? Yeah, that's right. You know, we learned today that the House Intelligence Committee has issued subpoenas to three officials in the Trump administration who have not yet come in. All three of these officials, two of them are from the Office of Management and Budget, which handles the release of aid. And then the third one is from the State Department. Um, They were all scheduled and then removed from the calendar. And now the committee says that they're issuing subpoenas to try to get them to come in the first week of November. We don't know whether these subpoenas will convince them to come in. Russ Vought, who is one of the official subpoena, the acting director of OMB, tweeted this week that they were not going to participate in these depositions. It, it's not, we don't know yet if these subpoenas will convince them otherwise, um, but this certainly does play into that whole blockade that we've seen not all be so effective with a lot well, of these witnesses. That's, about, that's exactly what I want to ask you. So um, we have seen State Department member, you know, employee after State Department employee, uh, not just appear on their own. It, it, mostly these have been through subpoena that, that these witnesses have come forward. But the administration has not stopped them from coming forward in, in, in many cases. And I'm just wondering, is there a difference between OMB as uh, then the State Department? What would be the justification that these folks would be able to defy a subpoena, but that um, – uh, Fiona Hill or uh, d- did not. I mean, what, what's the difference? No, it's a good question. And you, I should note that the subpoenas that we've seen, they've been issued the morning that, that officials are testifying. So you're testifying on Tuesday morning at 9 p.m. There's a subpoena that goes out sometime between, I'd probably say, 5 a.m. And, and 8 a.m. right before they come in. They're effectively friendly subpoenas that, you know, the administration is directing officials not to testify. And after they get these subpoenas, they say, OK, well, I've been subpoenaed. Now I'm going to come in. This, I think, it might be different. Um, we saw with the Russia investigation, the, that f- initial impeachment inquiry that the Judiciary Committee was doing, Don McGahn was issued a subpoena. He did not come in and testify, and they took that to court. They, t- they tried to hold them in contempt. Uh, in this case, what we're going to see, I think, is if these officials don't testify, the committees are just going to include that in a potential article of impeachment, saying these are all the ways that the Trump administration obstructed Congress, and that is one of the potential articles of impeachment. Okay, so now I have a question. We all read the 15-page opening statement that uh, Ambassador Bill Taylor uh, put forth uh, before investigators, and he clear he I think one of the most dramatic 
scenes, if you will, that he depicted in his testimony was involving OMB. He said uh, there was this meeting in which he was participating and it was a video conference and somebody was sort of off camera and not on camera, an OMB official who says, I've been instructed not to release this aid to Ukraine at all. And that is an instruction that came from the president of the United States through the chief of staff, Mick Mulvaney, to my office, to the OMB. Uh, is that person who was off camera one of these people that were that is being subpoenaed? Do we know? We don't know that. Although I believe that the Taylor said that it was a woman, and the two are officials men. are men, so, so not. probably not. But it obviously OMB is a very important part of this whole thing of what happened with this aid, um, and if they're not going to participate, it does hamper Democrats' efforts to get at that question of how the aid was held up, who held it up, and why, and how it was ultimately released. Of course, don't forget, too, Mick Mulvaney, the now acting chief of staff, was the former director of the Office of Management. OMB is a Mulvaney universe. Exactly. Yeah, that's a key point. And so, you know, things flowing from the president through Mulvaney to OMB, there's a chain there, but it also means that those officials probably are loyal to Mulvaney and that may be part of why... You know, the OMB may be among the agencies that doesn't participate. But you said it was uh, not just OMB people you were reporting today, also a State it's Department? also a State Department counselor, Ulrich Brickball, uh, is, uh, is the first State Department person that we know of that is not willingly coming in under subpoena. And explain what we understand to be his role in this. What is his role? He He's one of the counselors. He's one of the people talking to Pompeo. Um, and, you know, that's, that is what... They want to know from know, him? Yeah, yeah. They, they want to know more from him. Uh, about the call, about his, he was working around the call. Um, Pompeo is, an, is, is one of those figures here that um, he's, he's circling in a lot of this, and they haven't asked for him to come in. They haven't asked you know, for Mulvaney to come in. Um, but I think they're getting at these State Department officials, not just to find out what happened with the aid, but also what were the conversations going on within the State Department as all this was going down. Well, this certainly seems like you and Manu have... Uh, your reporting here indicates there's going to be a new front on this battle of of trying to get uh, all the administration uh, personnel into and before Congress to testify that the committee is seeking to talk to one person uh, that it seems the committee may not end up talking to is the actual original whistleblower. Uh, we are just learning as we're recording this that the in the Washington Post, the two attorneys representing the whistleblower, who, by the way, just a reminder for everyone, this is a month ago that this began where the whistleblower's complaint uh, was made known about and then the release of the uh, I believe they released the phone call a month ago today. It was September 25th that the White House released the transcript of the phone call following on that whistleblower. Feels like six months ago, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. So especially for you, I'm sure. Um, but my question is, uh, has the whistleblower served his purpose or her purpose and is and is done? And so the committee doesn't really need to hear from, from them because Donald Trump – even last night was tweeting, where is the whistleblower? This is a rhetorical point uh, that the president and his allies clearly are using that they believe this whistleblower has to testify. Well, I think this op-ed, what it signals is that it, it is it, it really is increasingly unlikely that we will see testimony from the whistleblower. We, 
you know, the Adam Schiff has had initially said, you know, that we're going to try and bring the whistleblower. We're working to get an agreement. And lately he's been saying we don't actually need to hear from the whistleblower. We have the complaint. And don't forget, they have now all of this other evidence. They have the text messages. Now they have Bill Taylor's testimony. And all of that makes it, it ne- less necessary for them to create a case using testimony from the whistleblower. But the point you make is a valid one that Republicans and especially the president are going to use this as an argument to say that Democrats are hiding something. Why aren't they willing to bring this whistleblower forward? And and where is he? So I don't think those arguments are going to go away, even if we don't hear from him. Uh, This is just a quote from that op-ed from the whistleblower's attorneys, quote, because our client has no additional information about the president's call, there is no justification for exposing their identity and all the risks that would follow. Uh, that's the quote in the Washington Post op-ed from the whistleblower's attorneys, uh, clearly trying now to wall off, it seems to me, uh, any notion that the whistleblower should have to come before uh, the House Intelligence Committee. Yeah, no, that's right. And one of the things that the attorneys have thrown out is maybe the whistleblower could provide written testimony. Uh, but Republicans are not going to accept that. We saw the leaders of the three committees this week. They sent a letter to Schiff saying, you need to bring in the whistleblower. And so I think that will be part of their process strategy going forward is to say, why haven't we heard from him? Hmm. Where have we heard written testimony before? Oh, right. That was Donald Trump in the uh, Mueller probe. Right. Exactly. Uh, So it was good enough for him then. Uh, Jeremy, stay right there. We've got so much more to discuss. Republican strategist Alice Stewart is going to join the conversation. We'll be right back after this break. Welcome back to the Daily DC Impeachment Watch. I'm David Chalian. Jeremy Herb is still with me, and we're pleased to welcome Republican strategist and CNN political commentator Alice Stewart. Alice, thank you for being here. Great to be here. Thank you. So I am eager to hear you, who a super smart strategist inside the Republican Party, worked on many campaigns. Um, this is a huge campaign style battle now impeachment. I mean, the the White House, the president is under siege at the moment, and they are clearly still finding their way in how they're going to push back and respond. It seems a little to me anyway, you can tell me if you agree or not a little scattershot at the moment while they're trying to find a pursuit. But it is clear, I think, that some folks, some Republican members on Capitol Hill are trying to help them formulate a sort of front line of defense here. I want you to hear Lindsey Graham on this resolution that he has introduced with Mitch McConnell in the United States Senate uh, to push back on this impeachment probe. I have introduced a resolution today with Senator McConnell, and the purpose of the resolution is to let the House know that the process you're engaging in regarding the attempted impeachment of uh, President Trump is out of bounds, is inconsistent with due process as we know it, it's a star chamber type inquiry, and it's a substantial deviation from what the House has done in the past regarding impeachment of other presidents. So it seems to me one settled upon strategy is to fight the process, maybe more than the facts here, since a lot of these facts don't be don't seem to be in dispute. And as you know, Alice, Lindsey Graham was one of the House impeachment managers against uh, Bill Clinton in 1998. The guy does know something about impeachment process. What do you make of what he's trying to do here? This is classic uh- um, 
attacking the process, as you say, and, and storming into that the hearings and the testimony is classic. And it brought to mind, I'm a resident fellow at Harvard, and it brought to mind what we've heard uh, Alan Dershowitz say before in situations exactly like this. He says, when the facts are on your side, uh, you pound the facts into the table. If the law is on your side, pound the law into the table. If neither the facts nor the law are on your side, pound the table. <laughs> That's what Republicans are doing. They're pounding the table. They're attacking the process as opposed to really letting this work out. It's really impossible to ignore uh, the call for this when we have 55 percent of Americans support uh, impeachment or, or certainly the impeachment inquiry. And I think it's important to let this process play out. Look, I have said from the very beginning that what the president said on the call with Ukraine was inappropriate. It was ill-advised. Uh, I question whether or not it it's uh, impeachable, but it is certainly worthy of investigation. I was critical of the whistleblower report at first blush because it was a lot of second and third hand accounting. Now we're hearing first hand accounts of what was actually said. So and it the, all seems to corroborate what was in the whistleblower report, does it not? It absolutely does. And so now that we're getting more information, it certainly lends more credence to the inquiry. When this first came out, I was skeptical, but it does indicate that as more information, as more layers of the onion are un unraveled, it's worth investigating. The American people deserve to get the answers. Before I turn it over to Jeremy to ask you a question, I just want to uh, – President Trump said today he is certain that he will have unanimity among the Republican senators for this resolution that we just heard Lindsey Graham say that he's introducing. Uh, some senators – some Republican senators have already expressed some skepticism about this. Do you think it's a mistake for Republicans to go forward in this if they're not – 100% unified on attacking the House process? The Republicans will, certainly in the House, I anticipate they will be unified. Um, but I mean in the Senate, this it, resolution. In the Senate, I, I think it will be a certainly a more difficult battle. They tend to certainly, they're, they're going to be a little bit more of a difficult uh, case in terms of calling for the impeachment, moving forward on that. So I think that will be certainly much more difficult yeah, over in the Senate as opposed to the House. You know, we've heard a lot from House Republicans. They're saying this is a closed-door process. This is all taking place behind closed doors. How is their strategy going to shift as this moves, as it's going to, into public hearings where we hear from people like Bill Taylor and potentially others in public? Well, I would imagine when it gets to that point, then they will be frustrated with the open door process. <laughs> the open door. So <laughs> that look, seems very malleable. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, look, it's it's as I said, when you don't like the facts, you attack the messenger or or the process. And look, these are ser these are serious concerns that. And when you have fifty five percent of registered voters, including Republicans, it's worthy of investigating. It's worthy uh, of looking at. And I I feel like Republicans are are doing a disservice to the people that are half of the voters out there saying we need to we need to get to the answers here. So then if I magically like waved a wand and said, Alice, you now are in charge of developing the Republican strategy here of how they should proceed on this. What what would you advise Republicans on the Hill uh, to handle? If, I mean, how would you sort of tell them day in and day out to battle this impeachment investigation? Uh, I would certainly do everything you can to certainly cooperate with the investigation, cooperate with um, what is needed, show complete transparency. But you can also 
in my view, from a communication standpoint, this administration would be much better served if they would actually shine the spotlight on some of the successful things they are doing in the administration. When he is out there working on whether it's the economy or whether he's working on uh, opioid crisis or whether he's working on uh, certain aspects of uh, trade, focus on that and and don't continue to to tweet and feed into this narrative of another witch hunt or a faulty impeachment inquiry. When you have successes, shine the spotlight on that. I would suggest uh, having an outside group of people handling the the response and the war room on this and, and put that off outside of the White House and outside of the, the uh, reelect and let them be the ones to, to handle it. That's what Bill Clinton did. I was in Little Rock back during that time, and that was important uh, to sort of have six degrees of separation and let the administration go on the air talking about the successes of this administration because there there are some to tout and shine the spotlight on that and take some of the attention away from the impeachment. Okay, now the magic period is over. And let me just ask you, what in the first two and a half years of the Trump administration indicates to you that the president is interested or capable of doing that? Do you see any? I mean, you could have offered the same advice during the Mueller probe. I mean, the president seems so completely obsessed with pushing back on the hourly news cycle, uh, I've never heard him sort of come up with a Clinton line that says, I'm going to get back to the business of the American people. The reason that I don't anticipate that happening is because you've seen the rallies. Jeremy, you've seen the rallies. Those people are hook, line, and sinker in support of this president. And when he says the Mueller report was a witch hunt, and when he says this impeachment inquiry uh, does not give him due process, those people uh, believe that. They see. They look at this as the Democrats are, are doing nothing but trying to take down this president. That's what his base believes, and that has worked for him, and he will continue along that strategy. Do you think when this does get over to the Senate, if it, if it does, but it seems increasingly likely it's going to, uh, will Mitch McConnell have to put forward a full trial or is there what chance he could just try to move to dismiss immediately? Do you think his the moderates in his conference will let him do it quickly? A lot of that depends on what else comes to light between now and that time. At, at this point, I could see him, if the information we have now were put before them, I could see for a, a dismissal. But if more information comes out, I don't see how he could could ignore it because the people – People are concerned and people want to see uh, something done on this. But I don't see right now with what we have him moving forward. And he indicated this week uh, that the chief justice will really have a lot uh, to do with about how this is conducted and the the pace of it, which was really interesting. Mitch McConnell sort of relinquished some control of how this will play out. That's not the norm of what you hear from Mitch McConnell. It's also different from what he was saying a month ago where he mentioned he he has to bring it up, but it doesn't have to necessarily stay on it for very long. Yeah, we're going to see a lot of what when folks get together for a group dinner and no one wants to pay, there's a lot of alligator arms. No one wants to reach out. We're going to see a lot of members uh, in the Senate all of a sudden have alligator arms and not wanting to touch any of this. (laughs) That's an excellent, excellent metaphor. Um, Jeremy, before we go, we like to uh, look ahead to what's coming in this story. What is the next step uh, in this impeachment inquiry that you're looking for? We don't even have to wait till next week because tomorrow, Saturday, we get another deposition behind closed doors. We'll see how many members attend this uh, since Congress is obviously not in session on the Saturday, but Philip Reeker, a State Department official, will be there, as far as we know, behind closed doors to uh, give them another deposition. And then as of right now, there are four depositions scheduled for next week. Uh, A couple of NSC officials, one former, uh, Charles Kupperman, who was under Bolton. um, And then we also have a DOD official. So it is going to be a busy week up on the Hill. 
Excellent. Jeremy, Alice, thank you so much for joining me on the Daily DC Impeachment Watch. And thanks to our listeners. We've got a new podcast every weeknight. So please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your favorite podcast app is. And while you're there, leave us a rating or a comment. It really helps people find the show. We'll see you on Monday. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.